Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 21. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about raising the challenging child. My guest today is Karen Doyle Buckwalter. She's the Director of Program Strategy at Chattuck, a multi-service agency providing a range of residential, educational, and community-based services for youth birth through age 21 and their families. While at Chattuck, Karen has been instrumental in the development of an innovative residential program for adolescents ages 8 to 16 with attachment disorders and complex trauma. This is one of the only programs of its kind serving older adolescents. Chattuck's Developmental Trauma and Attachment Program has served youth from 33 different states in the U.S., originating from 18 different countries. She also led in creation of Chattuck's Innovative In-Home Intensive Program. Karen has more than 30 years' experience working with children, adolescents, and families, the last 25 of which have been at Chattuck. She's co-authored journal articles, book chapters, and some articles that have appeared in Adoption Today and Fostering Families Today magazine. Her first book, Attachment Theory in Action, which was edited with Debbie Reed, was released in 2017. She hosts the Attachment Theory in Action podcast, and we are here today to discuss her second book, authored with Debbie Reed and Wendy Lyons Sunshine. This book is titled Raising the Challenging Child and will be released on January 7, 2020. Here now is my conversation with Karen Doyle Buckwalter. Welcome back to the Connected Family Podcast. I'm so excited to have Karen Doyle Buckwalter here with me today, the author of the book, Raising the Challenging Child. Karen, would you introduce yourself to us a little bit this morning? Sure. So uh, I'm very happy to be here, uh, Mark, and uh, as Mark shared. I, uh, my name is Karen Doyle Buckwalter, and um, I have worked at an organization called Shadok in Quincy, Illinois for 25 years um, and done a lot of different things there. But my formal training is as a clinician. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. Um, I'm also a registered play therapist supervisor. And um, following my master's, did a two-year uh, family therapy training program um, with Menninger Clinic. So um, those are, are, are some of my uh, educational experiences and background. And uh, my role at Shadok for the last, I guess, close to 10 years has been director of program strategy. And so I'm constantly scanning the industry, looking at sort of the latest and greatest research in, in terms of how we can better serve the children and families that we work with. So that's me. And I think you have taken all of that scanning that you've done over the course of your career and all the different best strategies to use and put it into this book. Exactly. Something, right? So I, you know, that's, uh, one of the things that we we thought about was not only have I, you know, personally had all of these opportunities to get a tremendous amount of training and experience um, within Shadok, uh, with uh, because we have a residential treatment program at Shadok, we have some extremely uh, challenging children, children who are not 
being successful in schools and home, um, mm -hmm. repeatedly going in and out of psychiatric units, uh, locally, things like that. So we thought, you know, over the years, we have learned a lot, mm -hmm. uh, made mistakes, learned from them, uh, learned from the research, learned from the science out there. And wouldn't it be great if we could like just distill all of this down, save parents uh, the, the blood, sweat and tears <laughs> that we've gone through to learn some of this. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's sort of like we have a big learning lab because we're always working with, with children and families. And, um, you know, one of the, the things that I sometimes say is what, what, uh, works for one, sometimes you have to tweak for another. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we have been able to come up with a lot of really tried and true ways of working with children and families that have been successful. Yeah. And that's awesome. I mean, it's definitely, as I read the book, the practicality of it and the stories about the challenging situations and the ways that those are approached can be so helpful for all sorts of parents. And so you kind of spoke just now about like the inspiration for the book. Yes. This desire to share all this information that you've learned over the course of the time in your work at Shadok with other people. Um, what's your hope for the book? What do you, how do you hope to impact people? You know, my hope for this book is, you know, I've worked my entire career in the niche of childhood attachment disturbances and childhood trauma, which ends up often involving foster adopt situations, children adopted out of uh, orphanage care and things like this. And my goal is to take what we have learned from those children um, and those families and make it applicable to all parents. Mm -hmm. That is my goal. Like all parents can benefit from this information. I began to realize that this is not just about, you know, children that have had attachment disruptions or children who have come out of horrific orphanage situations. Wait a minute. A lot of what we're working, learning here applies to my kids at home or, yeah. you know, applies to, you know, we, we have staff members uh, often at Chadak. We have, a, we have a staff of over 200 people and we'd often have them say, you know, after they had worked there for, for a while, mm -hmm this has totally changed how I see my children, how I see relationships, how I'm parenting. And, you know, this was just your average young parent, you know, working mm -hmm. at Chadak, not a child with special needs or anything like that. And so we thought, wow, if, if this is applicable so broadly, we need to get the message out more broadly. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can say, I haven't said this yet in our recording, I had the opportunity to work, to work at Chadak for six years and learn a lot of the stuff that is in this book. And I am one of, I would say I'm one of those staff members who had my parenting approaches transformed and learned so much and just so thankful and happy to have read it again uh, because of the great reminder that is included in this book about that. So I can say, I think you've hit the mark on that point oh, right there. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So the book, the book is broken into three, three sections. Uh, yes. Section one is be the, it's be the leader, dig deeper, and prepare for success. And so, give us some ideas and regarding that first yes. section, be the leader. What does that yes. mean for us? Yes. Let me just say one of the reasons that we did divide it this way, and then you know each section has ten lessons. Mm -hmm. Was another thing that I've learned over the years is 
a lot of parents, especially parents of young children, but you know, any age children, you know, adolescents need us a lot in different ways. They often don't have time to just sit down and read a whole book. Mm. So we wanted it to be divided in these ways. So this wasn't a book you had to read cover to cover. You mm. could say, oh, wow, you know, that that resonates with me right now. I think I need to read that. Okay. Um, so just, just wanted to add that in terms of overall context. But the Be a Leader section, and I was really feeling strongly I wanted a section by this title because what I have noticed over the years is um, I don't know if it's all the literature we have about self-esteem or, you know, being more democratic in our parenting or what it is, but I would work with many families where they just seemed like they didn't feel like they, they could set a limit in a strong way or really take charge of a situation. Mm -hmm. um, it is good to share power and have negotiation, and we talk about it in the book, yeah. but some parents go overboard and are, are overwhelming the child with too many choices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I love the language in the circle of security model where it talks about that children need a parent who is bigger stronger and wiser. Huh. And we can't forget that, that that creates a feeling of safety. Yeah. Um, and so I think some parents um, thinking that, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be a drill sergeant and, and we don't want that, of course, mm -hmm. but you also don't want to abdicate your power and authority mm -hmm. uh, because children need a strong leader in their parent. So I really wanted a section how do you do that without being punitive or authoritarian or something like, like what's yeah. the balance there? Right. Well, it's interesting as I was reading that section, you know, when you think of a section, be the leader, one might come to it as a parent of like, okay, I have to be the authoritarian or the drill sergeant. This is what they're going to tell me to do in this book. But as I started reading it, it was like, oh wait, they're shifting the view there because there's a chapter that says, it was up the relationship bank, which became a theme over the course of the whole book about this relationship bank. And so it's like, wait a minute, the relationship bank lesson is in the chapter on being a leader. Um, it shifts your view a little bit because I think yes. it speaks to how important the relationship is in regards to being the leader. Yes, yes. And part of being a leader is making positive deposits act you know and when we talk about the relationship bank the concept is you know that we have this bank account with our children and um, this isn't necessarily you know novel to this book this is talked mm -hmm. about sometimes in business and other places but that we need to make positive deposits into that relationship because there later is going to need to be a withdrawal where you're going to have to set a limit with the child or you're going to have to say no to the child. And if that, if that relationship bank account is on zero, when you try to do that, you're going to have a really different result. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, you know, anywhere you look, whether it's, um, thinking about praise with children or whether it's looking even in, um, employee retention and, you know, um, feeling like you get a pat on the back, feeling like you're, you know, things are noticed that you do well mm -hmm. is so important. And, and so we really wanted, that is part of being a leader. You know, it's not just, Hey, 
you know, I'm taking charge and you do what I say. <laughs> right, right. It's not just setting the rules, setting the boundaries. It's right. investing in someone, engaging with yes. them. Yes, yes. Taking an right. interest. And of course, we want to do that with our children. Yes. And then, so also in that section, one of the ways, one of my favorite ways that the book talked about this was be playful and surprising. Um, and again, that's something that be playful and surprising as a leader. But the way that I think the book describes it is, again, investing in that relationship, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, a lot of times if our children are misbehaving, we think, oh, you know, we need to like come down and set a limit and get them to stop. And um, when we do that, we take on a certain demeanor, mm -hmm. which our voice may change and um, our body language may change, does change. And what that does is, and what we know from neuroscience, is that tone and that cadence of voice causes the person we are speaking to, to go on the defense, hmm. to, to really be like, oh no, what's happening? Um, even before we say anything, or even if we're, if we're using the right words, but our tone, we talk, we talk a lot about tone, rhythm, and cadence of voice that puts our, whether you're an adult or a child, it, it puts you kind of on alarm, like, uh oh, you know, this person's really upset with me. Uh oh, what's going to happen now? As opposed to, you know, uh, coming at it in a very playful, fun way. I can't tell you how often we get cooperation from kids who are definitely not at shot up seen as like winning awards for cooperating with the adults. Like those aren't the kids that, those aren't the kids that come um, to our treatment program. And when we can just be playful and um, light and surprising about things, it disarms the fear response in them. And when you don't activate that fear response, you're much more likely to get cooperation. Mm. Um, and I think of this, you know, even if you think of, again, going back to adult relationships, whether it be romantic relationships or worker relationship, you know, how that person comes into the office, <laughs> you know, you, you're, you can be on, on a high alert already versus if they come in kind of playful or, or, you know, Hey, you know, I need to talk to you about this Absolutely. versus, you know, you're in trouble now feeling. Yeah. Um, so many of the, the, as we wrote the book, so many of the lessons I thought this is a no brainer in adult to adult relationships. Mm -hmm. If we bring that metaphor to it, you're like, well, of course mm -hmm. I know that I shouldn't, you know, come in and be real stern and mean and scary to, to, to the people I supervise or my peers at work. Well, but we're like that with children all the time. You know, it's really kind of sad. So yeah. um, just thinking, thinking about um, being more light, being more playful, um, being more surprising. And, and by surprising, sometimes it can be you know, a kid doesn't, you know, kid doesn't want to do the dishes and you, you pick up some soap suds and blow it at them and say, well, <laughs> come on, you know, let's just get this done together yeah. rather than I told you that you're not going to, you know, be able to watch any TV or play your video games. If you don't do your chore, you know, what, yeah. you know, it, 
just that playful, surprising approach mm -hmm. totally changes things. Yeah. And even as you're talking about that, I think I'm reflecting on myself as a parent and how I want to be that playful and surprising person. And the thing that sometimes stops me from being able to do it is my own level of stress, the thing, the five, six things that I feel like are important that I have to do later. And so just being reminded of, you know, take a few deep breaths myself, slow down. The most important thing here is the relationship bank. I want to build the relationship. It's not getting this task done. And in the end, it often takes less time than our other approaches anyway. Yeah, because we're not getting locked in a battle. We're not getting exactly. going down this road. Of yes, yes. Difficulty. The child, you know, responding in that fear response. Um, right, and right. Whatever that leads us to. Yes. Mm. And so then it moves on to dig deeper in the next section. Describe that. So, of course, you know, as a person, uh, as the author of the uh, book with a clinical background, <laughs> uh, this is, of course, you know, the, the, the therapy, therapisty, as we <laughs> use the term sometimes, therapisty chapter. And this is really looking at you know, what's really underneath the behaviors, what's driving the behaviors, um, not only in your child, but even in you. Mm -hmm. um, what in your own history leads to how you even frame your children's behaviors? You know, some of us grow up with the idea that all children are naughty. We might not say it out loud. Mm -hmm. um, and these kinds of things that really color how we view our children and their behavior. Um, so this was really an effort to, you know, one of the things that we say at Chaddock is you've got to look, behavior is just a symptom. Mm -hmm. You have to look at the root of it. And the analogy I often give that relates to this chapter is if you just look at getting rid of a behavior, it's kind of like just cutting off the top of a dandelion it, it'll come back and it might come back in a little bit different form in terms of children's behavior mm -hmm. but you know if the root of this is anxiety and you get them to stop biting their nails or you know whatever it is you know then if you're not really dealing with the anxiety it, there's it's going to come out in some other way mm -hmm. um and it's just going to kind of shift uh, behaviors because behavior is just a symptom hmm. and we have to get to what's underneath. So that, yeah. that's the overall idea of this chapter. So we get or to this what's, section, under, I should what's say. underneath, which is, as I hear you saying, probably feelings and emotions and, and other things. And so we get there and then what? That's the hard thing, I think. Yeah. Well, I think that you know what what's the the old phrase the devil you know is better than the devil you don't mm -hmm. so if you're if you're knowing that um what's underneath this taking the example earlier is anxiety so so what do i need to do about that how do i help my child feel more safe how do i help my child have words instead of behaviors that are often not productive mm -hmm. to be able to say mommy, I'm feeling nervous or mommy, I want to sit with you, you know, because I'm feeling afraid or, or, or whatever. I mean, I think once we know what we're really dealing with, then we have an array of options. There's different things that parents can do to help children with that. You could, and you know, you could seek out a counselor or a therapist. Mm -hmm. You could, you know, check out a book directly related to that, whatever, mm -hmm. but really looking at, um, 
Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it uh, a, a really uh, low confidence, feeling like I'm, I'm going to fail at everything? Mm-hmm. Um, and so how we support children, I think parents, they know their children. And I think when they get to the root of that, they may often have good ideas about how to support in that. The problem is they're not looking that deeply. They're like, oh my gosh, I need them to stop doing this. It's driving me crazy. Hmm. You know, kind of like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And we're just kind of spinning our wheels, like extinguishing behaviors <laughs> yeah. rather than looking at what is the root of this and how can I help my child with the feelings um, that fuel this, whatever they may be. And I'm even thinking as you're talking, not only do they have good ideas, they probably, I think we would say, or chat, the book would say they are the solution to the issue the child has in regards to if it's anxiety, being, being the parent that helps the child to work through that anxiety and the relationship is going to be the thing that often is the solution. Yes, absolutely. Um, that is 100% correct. Um, we know having a secure, safe connection mm-hmm. with a parent um, is number one for yeah. children to deal. That, that, that is how they, I mean, the attachment system is activated by fear and we move closer proximity to the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's, that's what our kids need. Yeah. One of my favorite concepts from this portion of the book, the dig deeper portion, is that idea of how we view our children and those things that we, you mentioned how sometimes parents come to parenting with, you know, maybe a thought that all kids are bad or some other way of viewing kids. And it's just one of my favorite concepts. And I'm I'm a therapist. And as I work with parents, sometimes I'll say something like, you know, the way that we view our kids can become sometimes the way that they experience themselves. And so how we view them, how we experience them is crucial in how they sort of internalize a sense of who they are as a person. Is that kind of that part of that concept? I think that's part of the concept you're yes, talking about. Yes, yes, absolutely. Parents to think yes. Yeah. And to, to, have an awareness of these things as you're talking about, um, you know, whether we want to go back to the, the, the age old concept, a self-fulfilling prophecy and children will behave to the expectations that you have for them. Mm. Um, but really being aware and with awareness becomes the opportunity to maybe change that. Mm -hmm. But, and this is where the dig deeper part comes for parents, Mm -hmm. because a lot of, uh, we're going to sound kind of therapisty here, but much of our behavior is driven by our unconscious Mm -hmm. and things that aren't really, uh, clear things that we can articulate. So, um, you know, I had an example of, of one parent where, Every time her little, she had a very active little boy that could easily spin out of control. You don't know anything about that, do you? No, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and uh, she, but as I would watch her with her son, I would see like the more he needed her to kind of help him settle down, set some limits, whether they'd be verbal or even just giving him a a firm touch on the shoulder to kind of help Mm -hmm. his nervous system settle down. The more he would spin up and really need her to come forward in as a leader in a mm-hmm. strong way, 
I would watch her and it looked like she just wanted to shrink and hide under the table. Mm. Well, I found out later that um, she had a father that was really volatile. And Mm. what she had learned growing up was when he starts to kind of lose it, it's important for me to run away. And this is the language she is run away and hide. Mm. And I remember talking to her and I got goosebumps when she said that because I thought I've seen that (laughs) I've seen that runaway and hide feeling in you because I had seen it with her son. Mm -hmm. And so as we began to work through that and talk about that, she's like, I never even thought of connecting some of the, like, I knew I had some issues with my parents and I knew, you know, Mm -hmm. this and that and whatever, you know, we're, we're all coming from our, dysfunctional families, right? Like which one doesn't have some degree of that. And, um, she said, but I never connected it to my parenting. Like I never made that connection. Right. And so as we could talk through that, it was more than, you know, if I had just kept saying, you need to be, you know, a stronger presence for him. He really needs you to come forward and help him. Mm -hmm. What we talk about is co-regulate uh, states. Um, Mm -hmm. we talk about that in the book and that comes from neuroscience that the parent has to loan a regulated brain to a child when their brain's not regulated. Mm -hmm. And I could have said all of those things, but what would happen was she would go home and not be able to do it and not know why she can't do it. And get frustrated and overwhelmed. Yeah, and why feel and then, good enough. Yeah, and then and then it would get even worse because then she's feeling like I, you know, I, I'm not a good parent. I'm not being able to, you know, uh, I'm not being able to do what they're saying. And as we began to like piece that together, that awareness helped her. Oh, oh yeah, I, I'm, this is a little uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. I know where that's coming from, mm-hmm. um, but I can still step forward and do this. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like, it's almost like there was these, invi- it's like parents have these invisible barriers stopping them from being who they want to be with their children. Mm-hmm. And until we can kind of look at some of that and kind of figure out some of that, it's hard to execute new behaviors. Yeah. That's a powerful story. I really, I mean, it's so true. And I'm even relating to it in my own personal experience as a parent and learning how to overcome those things that I think naturally were part of how I coped with life, how I managed stress. And of course, children tend to up the level of stress a little bit. Yes, yes. So then those things are going to come out. And as we grow and learn and become more aware of those things, it can be so helpful in, in our parenting journey. Um, yes. That's why I'm so excited to, you know, be able to have this hopefully have the people who listen to this podcast learn and grow in that way as well. Yes. Um, and, read yes. The book and learn about it. So the next section is called prepare for success. What's the big takeaway from that part? I think the big takeaway from that, that we have really learned is being aware of your needs and your children's needs and being proactive about attending to those needs. So, you know, I, I really, uh, and this is an area that seems like common sense. I'll I'll share another illustration from my own work when I was a therapist in foster care. um, And and any 
person knows this, that, that you, you usually see kids after school. So parents are bringing their children in after school. The kids have been sitting in school all day. Mm -hmm. Some of these kids had lunch at like 11, 1130. You know how that is in school. Sometimes <laughs> it's kind of crazy the times they have to eat to get all the kids through. They're driving 30 minutes, sometimes over an hour to see me. They're showing up for therapy at, you know, 3.30 or 4 o'clock. Um, they're probably hungry. They haven't moved very much. Mm -hmm. um, they uh, have been sitting, you know, in a classroom setting all day. And so now I'm going to do like therapy, like this heavy trauma work with th these children. And I, uh, and I, I never even thought of it and, and thought about, well, you know, probably having a snack and letting them run around on a playground, even just for five or 10 minutes. Um, would really be the best thing I could do right now in terms of the process of working with this child. And, mm. um, you know, you think of us again, looking at just us as adults and, and individuals, you know, would we get, would we take on a hard task when we're really hungry, when we're really tired, when, you know, no, like mm -hmm. that's not the time to do that. But so often, you know, we kind of forget that with our children and, and think, so, so the idea here is, have your child at the optimal level you can hmm. um, to succeed, yeah. uh, making sure uh, they've had movement, making sure they've, you know, they're not hungry, they're not thirsty. Uh, little people get very wrapped up in what they're doing and aren't, um, they do forget to eat and drink as mm -hmm. much as sometimes adults, we, we can hardly imagine that. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're trying to like stop yeah. doing that so much. <laughs> But they really do, and 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 they're they're just learning to understand their own little subsystems, mm -hmm. you know, of of what they need to feel okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, so, so helping them to just like the relationship bank, really. This is like the rest of the sensory bank, making sure that their sensory bank is yes at an optimal place where so that when you have some sort of interaction or demand maybe, you know, right. demand is a strong word, but something that's asked of them, they have the fuel, literally maybe even when it comes yes. to fuel, and yes. also the other areas of life to be able to accomplish that. Yes, yeah, and, and it, it, it can be even that you're not asking at a time they're really tired. Mm -hmm. or asking at a time when they seem particularly already stressed and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can think of times in relationships with my husband or with my kids both where, like, I kind of know it's not a good time to ask this, <laughs> but I, I do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Or like, and it doesn't go well. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's just think about that a little more and pause yeah. and see you know, what is our timing of this? Mm -hmm. uh, that would be, I think timing's also a big thing here to be thinking about. Mm -hmm. it, you know, is this really the best time to ask this of my child? Yeah, I'm thinking of a, thinking of one of my own sons who loves to read. And so, you're, you know, I, two days a week, I pick the kids up from school and I bring them home and I'm home with them after school. And uh, never fail this one son the moment we get in the door, he runs to his bedroom, lays on his bed and starts reading a book. And at the beginning, I was like, what is, doesn't he want to be with us? It's like, we just got home. Why don't you want to hang out with the family? And I've begun to kind of 
think about it more in, in a different way. And I think particularly being reminded by the book is like, that's what he needs. He's been at school all day. He's obviously probably more of an introvert and he's spending all this energy concentrating and doing what he's required to do at school. And he just needs to go home and be by himself and lose himself in a book a little bit. You know what, well, Mark, probably when he grows up, he's going to be that dad that has to come home and read the paper before anyone should approach him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm finding he's like, oh, I think he's a whole lot more like me than, I, than I've ever realized, because I'm definitely the person who needs a little bit of time, too, <laughs> just to uh, sort of unwind and spend some right. time. So it's just, it was a nice reminder, you know, it's a need. It's not like distancing necessarily, it's a need and he needs to recharge, so that's okay. Yeah. One of the big things also um, from this section of the book, the Prepare to Success book, is something we kind of, or Prepare for Success section, Mm -hmm. It's something we've already touched on a little bit, but one of the lessons um, is entitled The Gift Your Child Wants Is You. Uh, yeah. And that's an idea that I love as well, that the parent is so important and is is exactly the thing the kid needs. Tell me about that. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the most striking examples of this from my own life was... Um, I'm also trained as a TheraPlay therapist, and TheraPlay involves a lot of parent-child little interactions, whether it's, you know, one, one thing is we'll give a child gentle touches uh, when they close their eyes, and we'll give them gentle touches with either a cotton ball or a feather, and they, they, they say if it's a cotton ball or a feather. If it's a real little one, you can just say, where did the cotton ball touch you? If they're too little to even discern between the two. Um, and, and so we have lots of, of little, playful, close interactions like that. And I remember uh, when my kids were growing up and, you know, uh, when you have a little girl, you have like a sea of pink plastic in your house and, <laughs> you know, and, and you've got, you know, all the, and then lots of toys and Legos and things for little boys. But, and I remember one day, you know, seeing that mess of toys out there and um, my daughter saying, mommy, 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 let's do cotton ball feather. Let's do cotton ball feather. And I thought, look at this. We've got like all these gadgets and gizmos and toys. And she, you know, um, has all of these different things that she could play with, hmm. but she wants this simple little interaction because it's directly with me. Hmm. I mean, that is what it was. Yeah. And I found that over and over that that kind of one-on-one -on -one with mom or dad wins out over the most uh, advanced gizmos, hmm. bells and whistles, electronic toys, all of it. Yeah. It really wins out. And, um, that was really a lesson to me. I thought, you know, I kind of know this, right? right. You know, right. I, I kind of know this one-on-one -on -one time with your children's important, but you know, just sitting there and having all these toys and I, it, it might've even been close to a birthday or Christmas where there were several even new toys, you know, that were really <laughs> special and really alluring and very wanted. And that was what stood out to her that she wanted. And I just started to see that over and over um, with my kids. Mm. And I think we as parents underestimate that. And I think that's happening even more and more in this world of social media mm. and video gaming and all of this. I think that one-on-one -on -one interaction with our parents where 
we're so we're all so distracted by machines and screens and culturally i think we're forgetting mm-hmm. the power of that and how much that means to children yeah it's so tr- so true it's that's one of the major things that i learned in my experience you know i remember cuz i've taken the therapy training from you along it's been a long time ago now but it's still impactful in my life and i think i learned how to play in that way that you're describing through therapy I wanted to do, be able to do that. I didn't know how, I don't think, before. And I learned it. And it, I can attest to the power of it with my own kids and even other relationships that it's taught me how to do that, I think, as well. And, you know, I think, too, a lot of uh, us come out of an era where Parents weren't really told that. It was more get your children to obey, get them to do their work and their chores. And I I don't think that was emphasized with our parents. And it certainly wasn't emphasized with the generation before that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes we weren't played with like this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're, it's not that long ago that there were psychologists writing things about you should never touch or coddle your children. I mean, it's not that long ago uh, that this was the predominant uh, idea that children should be treated like little adults and don't spoil Mm. them and don't make them soft. And, um, and that was being put out in parenting books. Mm. Uh, So a lot of us, you know, haven't even had those play experiences ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so then it, it, not through anyone's fault, not because we didn't have good parents, but culture dictates a lot of this too. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think our parents of those generations are doing the best that they can according to what they've learned and grown and been taught. And also sometimes I think about the experience of surviving, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to get through. And exactly. And yeah. Doing the best to do to get through in the way that they can. Um, so I, yeah, I just think that's the, one of the wonderful things about this book is that it gives parents who may not otherwise have ex- had the exposure to this, the knowledge and practical skills to learn about how to be that for their kids, how to be that gift that their child needs and so that they can um, prepare their child for success in that way, fill them up in the way that they need it. Right. Yeah. So if, if you know, every person who listened to this podcast and this discussion could walk away with one or two things from this discussion what would you want them to walk away with? I think that um, the most important thing for children is their relationship with their parents. And, and we've already said that earlier, but, you know, John Bowlby, the father of attachment theory said, we all need a safe haven and a secure base from the cradle to the grave. And in childhood, it is our parent, and in adulthood, it is our partner. And, you know, all of the experts and, and everybody, uh, not, no one can walk in and take the place of the parent. And so what I want is for parents to just know how important they are, how much their child needs them, and, and give them some tools to, to really kind of harness the power they have um, in that relationship with the ch- their child to make things better with their child and and for them because we know there's a positive reward system that goes back and forth between parents and children. Mm. So when your child lights up and is enjoying you, 
you then light up inside and, and are enjoying. And it's, it's a reciprocal circular experience. So this isn't just so children will feel better. This, this helps parents feel better. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I certainly hope, and I believe that they can walk away from reading this book with that message and definitely hope they get it as they read. So read it. Um, tell us some information about where they, where people can find you. Yes. Contact Chaddock, find the book and that. Yes. Yes. So, um, the organization I work for Chaddock, um, our website is www.chaddock.org. Um, and then also, um, in terms of purchasing the book, um, it releases January 7th. I'm not sure when this is going to air and how that all goes, but, um, it is available on Amazon. Uh, also, uh, raisingthechallengingchild.com. We have a website for the book. You can find a trailer about the book there. Um, and in addition to the book, uh, we have a free downloadable study guide that could be used in uh, faith-based settings, church settings for small groups, things like that. Um, that does have uh, scripture and, and some Christian principles in it. Um, it was important to us that um, that be available for those who, who uh, come with that worldview, um, but that the actual book itself um, is not geared that way. So mm -hmm. we wanted that for, for people that, that that would be helpful, but we didn't want the book to feel exclusionary to someone who isn't from that faith tradition. Um, so we kind of have uh, both options that mm -hmm. way. Um, so they can find information on, on the book website, on the Chaddock website, you can order it on Amazon and other online retailers. Um, and so it's, it's easy to find it out there. Great. Well, I just really am thankful for you to you for you being here today. Love the discussion and really thankful for the book as well. Just as I said before, wonderful reminders and helpful for me again, as I'm in sort of this moving into the teenage stage of parenting out of sort of the child stage and being reminded again of all these things that are applicable yes. even to teenagers has been so yes helpful. yes i'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. we really tried to give examples across a broad range of mm -hmm. ages so well so thank you so much for being here um really appreciate it and um we'll talk again later yes you're very welcome thank you for having me it was a pleasure Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about raising the challenging child, please join our Facebook group at the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources and discussion regarding episode topics, as well as support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or join us at our website at connectionsquincy.com.